is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. To require the vaccinations or not, it's being done by both private and public colleges and some businesses. Now the public sector trying it too. San Francisco mandating vaccines for city workers. And now Pasadena is working on the same thing. If you're planning your trip to Great Britain, the U.S. government says you should probably wait. Fox News changing its tune when it comes to vaccines. Hollywood studios and workers reach a deal that might include mandatory vaccinations. But we start with Pasadena, now working on a plan to require all their city workers be vaccinated. Stephen Mermel, city manager. So, uh, Steve, what made you decide to do this? What we've seen, the reporting from our public health department, is that the uh, Delta variant is uh, really dramatically on the rise. Over the past weekend, I got reports of a number of city employees Uh, coming down with COVID, and we really are back to where we were, say, last October before the winter surge, and we don't want to have a repeat of that. I want to protect all of our city employees. I want to protect the public that has to come in contact with those employees. When does it actually go into effect? Is it once there's full FDA approval? Because that could be quite some time. My understanding is it may take one or two more months for full FDA approval of the vaccines, Certainly, that is one timeline we could go with, but uh, working with our city attorney's office and our human resources department, we're exploring whether we may be able to implement earlier. Uh, This is an evolving set of uh, regulations, and uh, obviously, the, the problem is now, so I would like to implement earlier, but there's certain challenges associated with doing it before full FDA approval of vaccines. Have you looked at San Francisco as an example? And if so, does it kind of pave the way? Yes, uh, I think San Francisco's policy is a very nice model. And we did take a look at that. We're also uh, buoyed by what we see uh, the UC system and the Cal State system do. How many employees, because it's a self-report now, right, have said they're vaccinated? And then what happens to those who say, you know what, I still don't want to get this shot. What happens to them? Sure. We have approximately 2,000 employees. About 1,100 have indicated that they've been vaccinated. So using that number, that's a little bit better than 50%. I suspect the total number is better than that, and just not everyone has turned in the forms. Uh, And obviously, the goal here is to get everybody vaccinated. There will be some employees that have underlying medical conditions, and they will have an exemption. We will also need to provide a religious exemption, not looking to be punitive, but ultimately there will be some things that unvaccinated employees will need to do. Certainly they'll need to wear face coverings and probably submit to uh, some frequency of ongoing testing. If they're Beyond not, that, we have to explore. I was going to say, if they're not, uh, if they decide not to get vaccinated, but they don't have a medical or a valid religious excuse... Uh, would you fire them? You know what? Again, ultimately, I would hope that everyone would elect to get the vaccine. Ultimately, what sanctions can be uh, levied on an employee will probably put us into the realm of collective bargaining with our various labor groups. So we're looking at that. We expect to be having consultations with our labor partners. Uh, But again, at a minimum, masking and testing. 
You think for some people, just the once or twice a week, you know, brain scratcher test would be enough to get them to get that shot? Because you don't want to do that every week unless you absolutely have to, right? That was not fun for any of us. I'm I'm hopeful that uh, people would recognize that it's just easier to get one or maybe two simple little shots in the arm than to go through that ordeal. Are you surprised Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, hasn't made a similar move now that you guys have and San Francisco has? I'm surprised that more employers in general haven't done it. I'm hopeful that as you see more uh, agencies such as the city and the college system step up, it will create uh, its own little gravity, and you'll see more employers move in this direction. You may recall early in when the vaccines were rolling out, they were talking about uh, making it more of a requirement for employers and that that would be the path to getting far more people vaccinated. I'm hopeful that that can still be the case. COVID is not going away. The only way to effectively deal with it is through the vaccinations. Stephen Murmel, city manager, city of Pasadena. Stephen, thanks. The U.S. issuing a travel warning urging people to avoid Great Britain because of the rising COVID rates there. Comes as cases are rising here, too. Darren Adam, presenter on Leading Britain's Conversation out of London. So, uh, Darren, you guys not allowed into the U.S. either. It is hugely depressing because I speak as someone who's been double jabbed, as we say here, fully vaccinated. And maybe you guys are as well. We, I mean, personally, myself and my other half, we're looking very much forward to coming to Los Angeles next March. And that's all booked in the hope that these restrictions change. But it does feel, doesn't it, as if things are going the wrong way. If you're being told not to come to the UK because of rising case numbers here, it feels as if the direction of travel is, well, it's not the right one at the moment. So I've been trying to figure out, uh, Darren, which country, the US or the UK, has been dumber in the way it's been handling this whole thing from the way it, uh, from the moment the pandemic began right through uh, testing, vaccination, opening things up when infection rates are rising. Who wins? Yeah. Well, you had a change of government, of course, and a change of leader and a change of governing party, which was maybe based on the disastrous decisions that arguably were made in the USA. We haven't changed ours. We're still stuck with Boris Johnson, who went into lockdown too late and then ended up having to stay in lockdown later than was was needed because of that original sin, if you will, that original decision. We, at the time of the pandemic beginning, were told that if we saw maybe 20,000 deaths from COVID, which would still be a staggering number, that would nonetheless be a reasonably good result for the UK. Um, the total number of deaths at the moment, it's not 20,000, it's 128,823. Mm. And we, you mentioned the contrast yesterday between uh, these restrictions being imposed or this advice at least being given to U.S. travelers thinking of going to the U.K. and so-called Freedom Day. Well, only idiots call it Freedom Day here in the U.K. And Boris Johnson is most assuredly one of those. <laughs> Even he has backed off on the Freedom Day rhetoric because he's having to isolate himself, along with the Chancellor of the Exchequer, basically our Treasury Secretary and our Health Secretary, who himself has covid so we have an extraordinary position where on so-called Freedom right? Day, <laughs> yeah, so on, on so-called Freedom Day, three of the most powerful members of the government can't leave their houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, 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 it really it writes is, itself. Yes. Uh, you can't make this stuff it up. It does write itself. And unfortunately, it continues to write itself. I'm waiting for the final season. It doesn't appear <laughs> to be any, any uh, desire in the writer's room to yeah. get to that. So. How, how do you think we're viewed 
here? I mean, because look, the UK rates are higher because with the vaccines. But let's pick other other countries or other yeah. Commonwealth countries, maybe, who look at us and say, um, "We want the vaccines. We don't have them yet in high numbers. You have them, America, but you have this large segment of the population that just won't take them." Well, there is, I think, less vaccine hesitancy in the UK. And from what I can tell, it doesn't appear the hesitancy that exists does not appear to divide on party lines. And there is some evidence to suggest that maybe in the USA it does. I, um, working at LBC, you work with colleagues of a whole variety of different ages and backgrounds and demographics, and I don't detect any particular vaccine hesitancy among my younger colleagues we are certainly now as a country able to say that I think by the end of September, everyone over the age of 18 will have been offered both jabs. They will have been fully vaccinated. So there's no problem with supply. I don't think there's a particular problem with demand, or at least if there is, as I say, it's not dividing along you know, party lines, political lines. It's not part of the culture war yet. Thankfully, I suppose that's my next great fear is that this, like everything else, becomes part of some confected culture war. Um, And and if you're going to pick something to be part of that war, I I don't think vaccination against a potentially fatal disease ought to be one of those things. But and yet you want to to come in and visit here, a country where you've got, you know, like what, 30 percent of people of the population that uh, doesn't want to get vaccinated. But but sunshine and the beaches. Yeah, but but they're wait. I mean, you know, they're waiting for more information. I don't know what they're waiting for, but they're waiting for more information. Well, uh, we propose to stay away from such people. I think. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Good luck. If they can be identified. But look, I mean, the, one of the reasons to get vaccinated, other than to protect yourself, of course, from the threat of serious symptoms or worse, is that you can lower the risk of being a vector of transmission. You lower the risk that you yourself are responsible in some way for passing on the virus. There is a collective as well as a selfish reason to be vaccinated. But if becoming vaccinated uh, doesn't sort of lead to the restoration of the freedoms that we once had without thinking, and I would include you know being able to go to the USA relatively easily as one of those, then I think some people are going to start thinking, well, what's the point? If we aren't able to return to that version of normality, which is still something that existed a mere 18 months ago, what is the point of vaccination? I'm nowhere near that point. I can see that there are other reasons. But I I really do want to see more of a connection between being vaccinated and being allowed to do stuff again, quite frankly. And, and in my case, you know, everyone's got a right to miss various things during lockdown. For some people, it's football. For some people, it's theatre. You know, whatever it happens to be, uh, travel's a big thing for me and for my other half. And we've not been able to travel, as many millions have not been able to really for quite some time now. So if that becomes a thing which is possible again, for us, that would certainly be a win. Darren Adam, presenter on Leading Britain's Conversation, LBC out of London. Coming up after this short break, Fox News has a major epiphany on vaccines, or maybe it's just tired of getting ridiculed. Fox News has been blamed for sowing anti-vaccine doubt in the minds of many people. 
Hosts have raised and emphasized their concerns about the safety and effectiveness of vaccines, even wading into the conspiracy and misinformation pool. But now, changes. Sean Hannity telling viewers to get vaccinated, to at least look into it, to take COVID seriously. What's changed? Will it help? Dr. Rob Davidson, emergency room physician from Western Michigan, also executive director of the Committee to Protect Healthcare. So, doctor, thoughts on the shift at Fox? Well, I'll say first and foremost, um, anything that they can do to, to change their tone and to convince more people to get vaccinated, we have to welcome. And, and I've seen a lot of folks on Twitter and other places, you know, looking at, you know, kind of the motives behind this. Is it legal or what have you? Uh, but I'm just happy that finally some of them are standing up and maybe a few people will hear them and will decide to get vaccinated because where I work, we have about 40% of our residents vaccinated, about 70% of the people in our county uh, voted for the former president. And so it's a highly Republican area. Um, and, you know, I go into patient rooms and I see people watching Fox News all the time. And so I'm hoping that some of those folks will will kind of step up and help us fight this thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you experience patients of yours who kind of echo the stuff they hear on or did hear anyway on Fox as justification for not wanting to get vaccinated? One hundred percent. I had someone just the other week and, and I and I you know, very kindly said, hey, you know, would you like to get vaccinated? We have this. We can give it to you today. She said, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm afraid of the ingredients. And I said, well, which ingredients? Maybe I can help, you know, help talk you through that. She said, well, I don't know really what's in it. And so it was just this idea that somewhere along the way, this person picked up that there's something in there that she should fear and yet no idea what it is. And so I don't know if it's Facebook or Fox or some other right wing echo chamber. But, you know, it's clearly something that Fox has been doing and we just need them to stop, you know, and, and hey, if they got scared by some legal uh, possibilities, great, that, that's fine. You know, let's just get them on board with the rest of us because we all just need to get through it. How do you fight that that hesitancy or the knowledge gap when the information, the good info is out there? still if someone is in an echo chamber or just seeing what they see on facebook because maybe you you tried obviously face to face with somebody but let's say i mean here in la county we've got six of the 10 million vaccinated if that's four million who aren't um that's millions and millions of face-to-face conversations you got to have if you're going to do it that way right that's 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 a very long haul my wife's a family doctor and just came home yesterday excited that she got two people who were previously extremely resistant to decide to do it. And and so I do think that's part of it. I think we need to have trusted messengers in those people's worlds. And so if that means Fox News, if that means elected officials, you know, we've got a senator in Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, who's hosting events, uh, you know, bringing up, uh, uh, you know, vaccine uh, issues that aren't real. And we've got people talking about, um, you know, the fact that the vaccine killed more people than COVID, certainly not true. And so if those people get on board, that's going to help family doctors, emergency doctors, those of us on the front lines having those face to face conversations. Although I do wonder if it's going to uh, confuse some people, uh, because if they trust and have trusted what they were hearing from Fox News, which has been this drumbeat, steady drumbeat, uh, raising questions about uh, the efficacy and safety of these vaccines. Now, all of a sudden, these same personalities are giving them sort of a sales pitch for the vaccines. That's got to be really confusing to people. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. And that's, you know, my response is this is very little, very late from someone like Sean Hannity. We'll see what happens next. You know, if he's willing to do this for a week straight every every night, for a month straight every night and get 
Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and others to come along with him, then hopefully that drumbeat we've been hearing for weeks and months can get drowned out by just a new narrative. I mean, I think they've switched narratives in the past and trying to, you know, with other issues and hopefully no one notices. So I'm hoping with this, it just happens over time and people just now realize this is what they're hearing and they're going to go and listen to their doctors. Lots made of what Tucker Carlson says. And then you read these articles that say he was one of the first in line when he could to get his vaccine. Yet on the show, it's completely different. Yeah, it just worries me. You know, um, public health used to be about public health. When when I had a, actually a patient of mine who was afraid, quote, afraid to get the vaccine. But he recounted to me when he got a notice from the local public schools about getting the polio vaccine for their kids. And they went down to the school and everyone lined up and got their little sugar cube. And I said, don't you realize that's what we're trying to do with COVID? And it kind of was a light bulb moment. And this person said, well, I'm really going to think about this. And hey, that was a small victory to get them to think about this a little bit differently, like we did with polio. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm still confused by people who say they're afraid to take it. And I'm, I'm wondering what it is. Do you know as a doctor, what is it that they're afraid of? Dying? Well, lots of people are dying from COVID. So what's worse than that? Right. But I think this has been a year and a half long initiative by Fox and others and the former president. You know, when you have a certain subset subset of the population who doesn't believe COVID is a big deal, um, then it's very easy to convince them that this, you know, this thing that somebody wants to inject into you and that, you know, a, a President Biden is encouraging people to do that somehow that is more dangerous than the the common cold that they are telling people COVID is or they have been telling people. I think that's how you get, you know, it is a cognitive dissonance in, in our world when we realize how bad people have been affected by COVID-19 and how many people have been saved, nearly 300,000 people since vaccines began as of June 30th. Um, you know, I, I think it's easy to convince them that this thing that they want to inject could be dangerous when the original disease, they have been convinced, just isn't a big deal. Well, was it also that you could avoid the first COVID? Like you could get around that with distancing and masks and, and even just maybe your immune system can fight it off. But now Delta COVID on steroids, basically, this is way harder to not get. It is. And, and frankly, if I'm in a crowded indoor space, uh, particularly in the county where I work with 40 percent vaccinated, I still wear a mask, partly because what's the big deal? It's just a mask. It doesn't affect my life in any way, except possibly stop me from getting this thing. Um, and, and I do know that the vaccine protects me for sure, but I still don't want to get Delta. I don't want potential of long COVID or anything like that. And so, yeah, this, this has become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And we have now sort of two Americas emerging, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And, and unfortunately, those unvaccinated folks, uh, many of them are going to be on the bad end of COVID. Unfortunately, coming in to see me getting a tube put in them to breathe for them. And we want to avoid that. We're trying to avoid these people getting sick and dying. Dr. Rob Davidson, emergency room physician from Western Michigan, executive director of the Committee to Protect Healthcare. Doctor, thanks. Hollywood looking to ramp up production after a stalled and slow 2020. But that means tackling COVID somehow. The three main workers' unions, they have a deal now with the studios on new guidelines. Duncan Crabtree, Ireland's National Executive Director, Chief Negotiator for SAG-AFTRA. So, Duncan, what does this mean for masks and testing and vaccines? Oh, my. There's, there's a lot there. But uh, first, I think probably the first and most important thing to know is that the protocols are not going to immediately uh, change dramatically here in Los Angeles as a result of our recent spike in covid outbreaks due to the Delta variant. 
So the amount of changes that people here locally in Los Angeles are going to see immediately will be relatively modest. There are going to be um, protocols that are specific to vaccinated individuals, including some changes in the testing frequency and the testing methodology for people who are vaccinated. And it is true that producers will have the option to implement mandatory vaccine policies on a production by production basis for the workers who are in what we call zone A, which are the people who work right on the set in close proximity, particularly to actors who have to often work without any kind of masks or physical distancing, et cetera. So those are some of the main uh, differences we're going to see in Los Angeles. Hopefully in the future, uh, the COVID spike that we're seeing now will hopefully recede. And when that happens, there will be some additional relaxation uh, under those protocols, including uh, less requirements to wear masks for people who are vaccinated, some modifications to other of uh, the safety protocols that people have gotten used to on the set. But I think it's really important for everyone to remember that maintaining safety from COVID is still crucial on our sets. And the COVID compliance officers, the COVID safety uh, supervisors who have been a feature of our sets since the return to work will still be there uh, on the job, making sure that those COVID safety protocols are followed. Was there any discussion about uh, members having to be vaccinated in order to work? There was a lot of discussion about it. And in fact, um, I want to be very clear that the unions and SAG-AFTRA in particular, we have not adopted a mandatory vaccination mandate that applies to all productions or anything like that. What is in place is the ability of producers, employers to make that determination on a production by production basis. So there will be... um, Productions. There will be sets where uh, everyone who's working as an actor, who's working as uh, you know someone uh, in that core set area, some of the directors' guild, some of the uh, IOTC crew, um, where all of those people will be required to be vaccinated um, in order to work on that project. And of course, there are uh, legal uh, exceptions allowed for medical reasons or for certain um, bona fide religious reasons, and those are accommodated. But there will definitely be some sets where uh, it is mandatory to be vaccinated if you're going to work on that. Okay, but that that raises the question, uh, wouldn't it be easier and also medically more prudent just to mandate it for everyone? Because otherwise you can have a situation where you have one job where an actor, say, is working where it's mandatory and then they go to the next job and it's not mandatory. Uh, Wouldn't it be just better to mandate it 100 percent? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because there's definitely uh, that point of view. I think it really wasn't possible to secure an agreement like that that would cover the entirety of the industry. And one feature of our agreements that I think is really important is that they apply to all productions done everywhere under our contracts, including in the United States, including outside the United States. And so, um, so while there are many people who would like to see a mandatory vaccination policy across the board, it simply wasn't going to be possible to achieve an agreement to that um, as part of this discussion. So instead, we have a set of protocols that contemplate um, as, you know, many productions potentially having those mandatory policies and, and ones that don't, or in productions where there's not um, a large number of people who are vaccinated. Uh, the, the safety protocols that we've experienced over the last year will still in large part be in place. And I think It is true that the industry has shown that the safety protocols we've been using since last uh, last summer are um, doing a really good job of protecting people uh, in the workplace. So when when we don't have mandatory vaccinations, we don't have a large number of vaccinated people on set. It's even more more important to make sure that those covid safety protocols are enforced. 
Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, National Executive Director, Chief Negotiator for SAG After. Duncan, thanks. Remember the Chick fil A shortage of sauces? How could we forget? Yes, I know. That was like a, a number one priority in America. <laughs> if you're a fan of the chain, then that must have been tough. But now another fast food company is dealing with pandemic related shortages. Taco Bell is warning customers of menu disruptions due to a shortage of ingredients. It's not clear which items are in short supply or how long that will last. The company says it's all due to national transportation delays. And here we go again. Another national crisis. Yes. You can find this Odyssey original on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.